Welcome to the second Declarations of War CSM 12 Candidates Roundtable. We are here with a stocked panel. I am here, of course, with my co-host, Artemis. Howdy, howdy. And Yin Tan. A thousand blessings. Who Yin Tan is also running for CSM. He will be at the top of our ballot. Go vote for him. But, of course, there are many other spots to fill, and we have an incredible panel of candidates here with us. First up, Killa B. Hey, what's up? Mikhail Rotinik. Hello, what's up, guys? Rodin making a return to the show. Hey, guys, how you doing? And Toxic Yakin. Howdy, howdy. Now, before we get into introducing everybody, I do want to do a little... Uh, a little disclosure up front, Toxic Yakin is a sponsor of the Declarations of War podcast. He bought some ad space for his War Deck Project Discord. And, uh, we're going to still treat him just like everybody else, but I wanted to make sure everyone knew that that was going on. If you haven't listened to the episodes, we're going to get advertised in. All right, uh, we're going to give the candidates an opportunity to just briefly introduce themselves and what they're about, and then we're going to jump right into the questions. Uh, Killa, why don't you start us off here? Yeah, I'm Killa B. I'm a Pandemic Legion Fleet Commander. I do live in 00. I basically focus on 00, and that's also what I'm going to be focusing on if I get elected into the CSM. This is basically 00 and everything that comes with it. Obviously, some of the stuff that is influencing 00 will also uh, affect the other parts of space, like Citadels, for example, uh, Time Zone. Warfare, as I like to call it, will obviously also affect the other uh, time, uh, the other parts of Eve, and some other stuff too. But that's basically what I'm, what I'm focusing on, what I'm doing. All right, Mikhail. Yeah, uh, I'm living in a zero zero member of the Circle of Two Alliance. I do mainly PvP, and that's what I intend to to bring to the uh, CSM is the PvP focus that I bring. Uh, I do everything from small gang black ops to nullsec. Uh, bridge gang, I do, I do a little bit of it. don't really care for it that much. In my opinion, it steals from the fun. But yeah, I mean, that's what I bring. And, and I, my main focus is keeping the fun in the game, honestly. I feel like that's something that we're kind of losing is a little bit of the fun of the game. I'd be interested to hear a little more about your thoughts on that later. Uh, Rodin? Hey guys, it's uh, Rodic. I am one of the high-sec candidates that's working off of the uh, high-sec uh, ticket. And um, I'm basically focused on high-sec activities to include uh, war decks, industry, and trade. Awesome. And finally, Yakin. Uh, hi, I'm Toxic Yakin. Uh, I'm part of the Dickwad squad, which is part of Legion of the Immortum living in Nullsec. Uh, I also do really bad FCing for a high-sec corporation, uh, Fly Fearless. Uh, my main interests are high-sec and, more specifically, uh, ganking and war decking, which are kind of the areas which I spend most of my time playing in. Uh, yeah, and I'm, as Rodin mentioned, uh, I am also part of the high-sec ticket with uh, Commander A's as well, and we're all campaigning to try and ensure that high-sec has representation on this year's CSM. Yeah, he uh, named Crafty on the episode we recorded yesterday. Doing his half of work. Uh, let's sure. jump right into the questions here. Uh, well, we'll start with you, Toxic. So, this election cycle, I think it's fair to say that you've been one of the very public faces for war deckers. 
you organize the town hall about it. You've got the War Deck Project Discord. You even dropped a plex to advertise it on Declarations of War, and I assume you've been promoting it other places as well. Uh, and you said you want to do more of this kind of thing if elected, town halls, public Discord chats. Um, but when I've been on the Discord, it seems like they're talking about everything but War Decks a lot of the time. You know, are you, what did you get out of these experiences, and are you satisfied with your process of managing and directing them? Uh, I think uh, I need to put some more time into managing some discussions. Uh, I definitely think that when we first started going, we had a lot of ongoing discussions as more people came in, and now we just have occasional people hopping in, they'll kind of share their thoughts on what they think is wrong with war decking. There's some debate, and... I think the biggest problem that's facing the War Deck project right now is we have a lot of uh, mercenary personalities who are very, you know, they're very dedicated to their, their play style and they uh, are very critical of people who uh, want to change it. Um, I, I think getting more people into the discussion will help it move along. Um, as far as kind of organizing more things in the future, uh, town halls, I think, are a really good way to get feedback from players. Um, but I, I kind of like having discords as a way to gather information just because you can kind of have more ongoing discussions rather than just having, you know, trying to get everybody heard into uh, one channel and trying to get a discussion out of everybody when, you know, some people may not want to come on TeamSpeak for these discussions. Some people may not have the time or not be able to just make out for that one day. So... I, I, I'm hopeful to kind of get a mix in if elected, uh, but yeah. All right. Can you uh, give us an example of a couple of topics you'd be interested in running uh, town halls on that aren't more decks? Uh, I, I, uh, I know that you, Tintan, you ran uh, a ganking roundtable uh, for both sides instead of having them together. Uh, I, I actually think that of all the kind of roundtables we have, that's probably one of the better ones just because a lot of the discussions kind of get a bit muddled. Um, I mean, that's that's still a big area of interest for me, and I think having maybe a Discord for that would be better. Um, but uh, for doing actual round tables, I'd kind of like to see stuff about mission running, specifically, and uh, faction standings. Um, I'd also like to take a look into um, just mining and resource gathering kind of stuff as well. Ganking is a, a platform I haven't really spotted high on anybody else's priority list. Could you walk us through why it's so important to you and everybody I mean, else? I mean, for me, um, in when I was when I first started playing, uh, I was a high-sec miner. I kind of just did my own thing by myself, and I really didn't like take any time to learn about the game, and I kind of just got stuck in this loop of, I need to make S. I don't really know what I'm making this for, but I want I need to make lots of ISK, and I'm just going to do it through mining. And it wasn't until I got ganked that I kind of broke that cycle and actually started to like learn more and kind of try and go out and experience more. So I kind of I, I I hold that a bit hurt, close to my heart just because it was such a big turning point for my my Eve experience. Um, as far as like what I think. Uh, I don't, like I don't I don't know what kind of changes I think need to be made, but I think having that discussion is important because there are a lot of people who are very outspoken about gaming that either feel it is very bad for the game or very good for the game. Um, I I know that CCP over the last few years has been making changes to ganking quite regularly, and a lot of people on the ganking side feel that uh, 
ganking is being nerfed too much and that, you know, it's not it's not uh, good for the, the ganking community when you're just like constantly kind of dragging them down when uh, a lot of people and sorry, a lot of people in the ganking community feel that uh, that uh, they shouldn't be punished because other players aren't really learning ways to like combat their playstyle. That like you know they shouldn't be punished for like understanding mechanics and like to that degree I kind of agree. Although you know ganking people over and over again and having them not have a good way to like learn from that experience isn't good for them either. And like you know like for me when I got ganked I I kind of took it as an opportunity to go out and learn more. But for other people it's kind of a if if it feels like it really brings them down and you know doesn't make them want to play as much. So I, I think I think it is something that's important and needs to be discussed. Awesome. Um, another thing in your, you, know, you mentioned your pro ganker, pro decker. Uh, there are a few other things that you're throwing into your campaign post, but in one I want to ask you about in particular is that you openly boast of being a scammer. And historically, scamming players and the CSM have been a bad mix. Um, we've seen it in several CSMs before. What makes you different from those guys? And how can voters trust that you're going to behave to the standard of the CSM in terms of your conduct? I mean, if it means anything, I don't do a lot of scamming. It's more just like when the opportunity arises, like somebody wants to pay me something, I can get a little bit more of them, I'll go for it. But I'm not like actually sitting in Jita and trying to like trick people all the time. It's it's more of an opportunity-based thing for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not sure exactly what you're referring to as far as other CSM candidates, because I'm sorry, doing this kind of thing, I'm not sure about that history. Uh, he's probably referring to... Um... Matani previously using his CSM status to uh, scam people into uh, selling him super capitals. Oh, and there was oh. Darius scamming his way to get elected and then doing nothing but undermining the CSM that he was elected to. There was uh, uh, the name is escaping me, but CSM 3 there was a scammer who leaked uh, or not leaked, but took information that was proprietary and used it to uh, make some marketplace. Uh, it was a pretty big scandal at the time, uh, and he had run as a piratey scammer candidate. Yeah, I, I think that the, all of my scamming is more directly focused on just kind of making extra buck off of somebody who doesn't know any better. It's not really like I'm not planning on doing any big CSM heisting or anything. Like that. That's a bit. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. Don't have any intention of doing that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. I was just gonna say it's not. Uh, I don't think it's particularly fair to mar everyone with the same brush with regards to that. All right. Let's move on to Rodan. Rodan, welcome back. All right. I had you as a guest pretty recently. Uh, before you announced your CSM bit, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to see you, Rodan. Yeah. yeah uh, thanks, man. In your last appearance, you know, we I sort of had a throwaway question for you, but I actually want to come back to it in a bit of a more serious way. You know, you're a station trader. Uh, you're involved in station trading communities, uh, NETC, SSC, um, and you particularly specialize in trading via Citadel hubs. But you're also a member of Wrecking Crew, which is an alliance whose entire reason for existence and literally all of their group activity is organized around destroying every Citadel anchored ever. So, if someone casts a vote for you, are they getting a 
pro-Citadel advocate who wants to see trade and, and other functions move into these player-created structures? Or are they getting an anti-Citadel crusader who wants to see Citadels wiped from the face of the earth? Actually, you're going to get a balanced look at the spectrum. So I am an advocate for the actual ecosystem that surrounds that whole set of activities, from creation to existing and destruction. Um, because, <laughs> I mean, we have to make sure that the... As far as that kind of that kind of activity is concerned, you know, we have to make sure that it's attractive to use structures in Empire, but at the same time, we have to ensure that it's also attractive to destroy those same structures in Empire. Um, right now, that feels pretty defender-centric, to be honest with you, um, but that's hopefully something that can be addressed uh, as we carry on with this, you know, uh, post-structure environment that we find ourselves in. Okay. And we'll have, uh, we'll have some Citadel-specific questions regarding mechanics and, and their impact on other areas of the game a bit later. Uh, I also wanted to ask you about your sort of reason for running. You mentioned that one of the things that really set your mind to running this year was that CSM 11 was essentially all participants of World War B split almost directly down the line in terms of, you know, which side of the conflict the the candidates were a part of. Not 100%. Obviously, Steve Rodekin didn't have any horse in that fight. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the of the new folks coming in were either Goon or, or excuse me, Imperium-affiliated or, you know, the attacker-affiliated. So... This homogeneity frustrated you. You decided to step up to the plate. You're running now, which is awesome. But you've also acknowledged in that post that despite the composition of that CSM, CSM 11 was very productive and successful. So I wanted to know a little bit in, in a little bit more detail. What was your takeaway from you know your expectation to the reality, and has it changed your view of how the CSM functions in practice? It actually definitely has. You know, so from the moment that I thought, you know what, uh, I'm not happy with uh, the way the CSM has shaped up, of course, prior to their actual really, really good performance. Um, and then, uh, you know, seeing how well they were doing, but then I, I, that was the seed in my head, though. Like, you know what, why, why don't you do it? You know, if, if, you, if you're saying all this shit, why don't you, why don't you do it? <laughs> you don't know. But as I, you know, put my, you know, put the, the my post up and uh, start interacting with uh, incumbents and the personalities that, for all intents and purposes, control the ballots, uh, it really has opened my eyes to the process of the CSM and how that interaction works. Uh, in the beginning, I'm not gonna lie, I I felt that same frustration again. It's like, oh man, this is like this is this big boy town right here. You know what I mean? Uh, me being basically, you know, the FNG, the new guy that no one knows. Oh man, that was a uh, it, it it was pretty intimidating to be honest. But as as you know, we started conversing and and really sharing our ideas, I, I think I got through to a few more to a few more people and uh have broken down some of those kind of social barriers uh between the different gameplay styles that kind of tend to be uh tend to be there. But overall, uh, as far as how that's 
change me as a candidate from thinking about running to doing the candidacy run to right here at the latter end of the kind of advertising period. Uh, I definitely have a much bigger respect for the folks that do this and, and have been doing this, you know, our incumbents, the two-time, three-time, four-time incumbents. That's that's an incredible amount of passion, an incredible amount of work that you're putting on a video game that you don't get paid for. That's, and that's just amazing. All right, cool. Now let's move on to Killer B. Hey, Killer, welcome to the show. Been wanting to have you on for, for quite a while, actually, uh, for various reasons. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think the one that you're perhaps most known for lately as being one of the shot callers for World War B. Um, I've been heard you've been referred to as a product manager of sorts or a program manager. You did a lot of organizing. Um, yes. From that point of view, what's your assessment of the state of Eve's in-game content? And what should CCP's balance focus be this year between focusing on content and features for new players versus content and features for Eve veterans? I think the I think the problem is that creating content is pretty hard and it's getting harder with the way that they keep removing the like the ways to basically pause this, right? Like I mean some of the biggest fights we've had in Eve were over some towers because they you can reinforce them at any time and it's really it's really easy to do it. Whereas uh, with the citadels and with the structures they're bringing in now, they're locked. You can lock them to a time zone. You can basically kill any kind of possible content just by knowing, hey, my enemy alliance is completely USTC focused and I'm completely EOTZ focused. So I'm just going to time my stuff for EO Prime. And there's basically no way that uh, the that these this USTC alliance can hit it or do anything about it unless they. Look for some friends in EOTZ, for example. And I think that's really bad. Uh, they're doing it with the new structures. They're doing it with this, the Fozzie's off system where you can set it for a certain time zone and then you can't really hit it in any other time zone. Uh, I think that's... I, I think if you if you just fix that, zero zero would be, or generally EVE, I guess, but this is mainly zero zero folks, would be in a way better place already. Um, just because there'd be so much more content that could be created just with the current mechanics and with the current uh, things we have in the game. Obviously, uh, they're, they're planning on adding a lot more new stuff, and I'm hoping that some of the new stuff is not restricted to that anymore, or maybe they are changing uh, the stuff that they've already put in to be not that time zone limited anymore. I think those would be some good steps to just make uh, with with what's currently already in place to get more content into Eve, and then obviously there could be some awesome new stuff they're adding. But uh, I, I I cannot come up with something that they could be adding. I just think that at the end of the day, people always fight over something that's worth fighting for, and right now there's not a whole lot. Except maybe Zoff, but there's so much space in Eve that somebody who wants to pick Zoff can basically pick Zoff without having to pick a fight first, anyways. Do you really think that's true? I mean, I'm not saying yeah, that's so, not true so for much any more... systems, but it seems like wherever people move to, there's always fight. There's, there's, in my opinion, there's so much more space. Like, if we've rented out the entire north just because we didn't know what to do with those regions. Like, after we pushed CO2 and test out a Veil of the Silent Tribute, we were sitting there, 
uh, me and Vince were sitting there, we were thinking, hey, okay, now, now these regions are empty, what are we going to do with them? And we said, well, we might as well just rent them out. Right now, PL is deployed to Cache or to Curse. And uh, if anyone wanted to go and take, take that space, they could probably do it. We don't care too much about that space. Uh, we don't really, we are not really bound to that space. And we've, we've, once we set up, or when we set up that rental empire in the north, we decided that if, if anyone ever goes and attack it and we're deployed somewhere else where we get better content, we're not going to deploy back. And we've got really good content on Curse so far. So why would we go back up north just to defend the space? Uh, so I, I, yeah, I think there's if you really want to be, if you really want to live in Zoff Zero Zero, you can do it. The quickly, listeners, there's nothing they really branch. stopping you from it. Go, 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 go! <laughs> Say what? Uh, just, just encouraging my audience to invade Branch and Tino. Yeah, well, Branch and Tino are not our space. But if you invade Branch, you'll have to deal with the Guardians of the Galaxy. If you invade Teal, you have to deal with Lumpy. But uh, if you invade Tribute or Veil of the Silent, and you'll have to deal with us. Or maybe not. Who knows? So, so yeah. You... Oh, yeah. Go I'm sorry. Go. I, I think... I think the, the, so basically, you get back to your original question. was like, what's the current state of content in... Right? Like, what, what was your original question? I kind of forgot about it. Uh, what's your assessment of the end game content need right now, and what should the balance focus be between, you know, All content right, yeah, for alphas so, yeah, and new guys versus content for tenure veterans? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, there needs to be both. There needs to be content for new players, uh, but there, there also needs to be content for the older players. But I think it's kind, of, actually, it's kind of the same because you you see alliances like Pandemic Horde, Brave Newbies, Karma Fleet. Uh, even the 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 noob alliance from Waffles, pancakes um, or what they're called. There's so many alliances right now that accept alpha clones. Uh, so new players can basically be part of the 10-year wets content. I don't think there's a difference between the content for older players and the content for newer players, unless you're talking specifically about like the new player experience missions. In which case, I think it doesn't matter at all. Like that's just my opinion. You can make those. You can make those starter missions. As awesome as somebody could possibly imagine, that is not the reason to play the game. Like, people don't play the game because, oh, these new player missions, they're so awesome. This is why the reason people stick to EVE is because they, because it's a universe with politics, because it's basically a second real world. It has politics, it has economy, it has everything, it has big wars, it has scamming, everything you could possibly imagine in real life. There's no governments. You could basically do whatever. And that's why people keep playing EVE. It's not because the new player experience is such an awesome thing, right? Like, you'll never get to where, for example, like World of Warcraft is. EVE will never be as easy to get into as a game like World of Warcraft. It's just not going to happen. So, so what you're saying... The... Go ahead, Jim. No, no, you take this one. So, basically, your opinion then would be that the focus of the NPE should not be teaching players mechanics, or even it doesn't really matter. It should be advertising Eve and plugging these guys into this end game, meta game, political experience that is your big driver in Eve. I think the I think the, the focus should be to get people into the community that is Eve Online. Which is basically telling the you know tell I think it's important that they learn some basic mechanics, right? Those those new missions, the way they are right now, I've done them. I've actually created a new character just to see what they're like. Some people talked about it. And I think they're good. They're, they're like 
helpful. You, you learn some of the mechanics. I like some of the ideas that they had where uh, parts of the UI appear like after another instead of just it all being there at once because it can be kind of overwhelming if you start playing the game. But none of that is, is going to matter in the long run. That's that's the experience that a player has in his first like one or two hours of playing EVE. But what, what what's going to make the player stay is the community of EVE. And uh, I think that's the most important part, getting new players into any kind of a community. It doesn't matter what it is, whatever they might like. If it's mining, they need to get into some kind of a mining community, maybe like a high-sec mining alliance. If they like uh, zero zero or big battles or whatever, they need to get into something like Horde or Karma Fleet or Pancakes. You know, that's what where priority should be, in my opinion. Interesting perspective. Um, personally, I, I kind of agree with you. I am. I think it's pretty well known that new players that join a corporation or alliance or get hooked up with other players are more retained, have better experience than those that are just kind of left there on their own. The how to do that in a way that's that's fair and consistent, you know, I think is a, a much bigger challenge. Uh, but let's move on to some specific things that you want to look at. You posted a, a list on your campaign post of like features and aspects of the game that you think really need a hard look at. And just to read it over real quick, uh, time zone warfare and zero zero content generation, Aegis Sov gameplay, and you noted specifically Fozzy Claws, super capital, excuse me, sub capital balance like faction battleships, capital balance like the Leviathan, uh, citadels and new structures. I no details there, but I assume just take a general look at them. Uh, or you've mentioned that they're a bit too for the defender right now. Um, and then lagging desync, especially with caps involved. Now, to me, this reads like a wish list based on Reddit headlines. You know, are you like, oh, there was a big fight where we had laggy desync with caps, so I'm going to throw that on the list. Uh, oh, the Leviathan, people are shooting on the Leviathan, I'll put that on the list. Everyone's talking about faction battleships now, I'll put that on the list. Everyone's bitching about Fozzy Claws, I'll put that on the list. Is Are you just reacting to what the loudest voices are in sort of the old boys' room of Eve? Or do you have your own independent vision for how these changes fit together in terms of a, a coherent zero-zero combat ecosystem? And could you, if you do have that, could you sort of say what that philosophy is? Well, the reason these things are Reddit headlines is because they're annoying a lot of people. And I noticed that the only reasons, the only things I put on that list are the things that I actually noticed myself that I've actually have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Sync is awful for an alliance like us because whenever you have, in like three titans or super carriers and a citadel involved, you you basically whatever you see on your screen is like thirty percent true. Super and titan could be in a completely different position. Uh, half your shit isn't responding properly. You warp, or if you try to loot a can which on a screen it says you're right next to you, like 900 meters off, it says you need to be within 2,500. It, it gives you weird shit about you You can't fit certain modules because you don't have enough power grid left, even though you have enough power grid left. And all these kind of things, things that are really annoying for me, especially if you have, uh, if, if they're at risk, right? Like obviously in a safe environment, it doesn't really matter, right? Whatever. If my super is 10 kilometers 
it, like in a different spot than it is it's shown on my screen. It doesn't matter if I'm in a safe environment, but if I'm in a in a combat situation, for example, when we were using our Super Saiyan Titans in the battle for MTECO to take out down the MTECO high hub um, versus CO2, we were dropping our Super Saiyan Titans onto different nodes in like squads of five and ten, and we we noticed some terrible desync. Some people couldn't jump gates because they were like 60 km off, even though on their screen they were right next to it and things like that. And in that, in those kind of things, he's actually at risk because you have like a thousand enemies formed up, uh, also flying around in that space. And if a super gets caught on its own, it's it's kind of uh, in danger. So that's the lag and desync. Um, I think faction BS are. Uh, yeah. So when when they released that summer page, it was an accident or not, whatever, right? Like they said that they're going to rebalance Tech Three cruisers. And I'm really afraid of, like, I'm really scared of what they're going to do to them, because if they get worse than they are right now, then I think we're basically living in Faction BS online. Right now, Texture Cruisers are valid. Even against some uh, Faction Battleships, you can, if, for example, your enemy's flying ar uh, artillery materials, Proteuses are a valid option. But if they get worse, then they probably won't be. Faction BS are just way too cheap right now. Uh, I, I think they can't really... Uh, or they shouldn't really change any of the stats on the faction battleships. I think the the faction battleships in itself are a nice ship type. They're, they should be strong, but the problem right now is that they're so affordable, so disposable that every alliance can just buy them or build them in, in you know hundreds. And there's basically no reason to fly a Tech One battleship anymore because everybody can just fly faction battleships, and faction battleships are very strong so you know there's basically nothing you can do to a big 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 carrier fleet or nothing you can do to a very big rattlesnake fleet uh so i, I think that's a problem i think that's way too cheap um okay yeah i'm just gonna play in here that's good mm -hmm. uh i want to ask you do you think that csm11 has addressed these issues and you know Despite uh, what you answer that, uh, why do you think that you'll be able to get things done about this when CSM11 has been unable to? Uh, in your opinion, I don't think, like I think CSM11 has been compared to like CSM10 has been way better CSM. Uh, I just think there's some people on the CSM where I questioned. Uh, well, how do I put this? I questioned the. Uh, I just don't think somebody can have an honest opinion or actually knows what he's, uh, how do you say it, uh, re basically the feedback that a CSM gives to CCP as they are kind of the voice of the community, right? Um, I, I don't think that some, some people in the CSM can give proper feedback just because they don't actually play the game, right? Like, I think why am, why am I more capable of giving good feedback to CCPs? Because I... I've been FCing very active for the past two years. I've been very, very active. Like basically, everything that almost everything that PL has done was me in the last two years in EOTZ, and um, I do it. I do it fleets every single day, so I know what's up. I know the better. I know. I'm not. What's I'm not. Asking, I'm not on. questioning your your like knowledge of Eve Online. I know you're a fucking good FC. <laughs> like I'm never going to question that. What I'm asking is like. Why do you think that you're going to be able to get CCP to address these topics? Because they are a key part of your platform. Well, I mean, a lot of the devs, like I've already been talking and working with a lot of the devs, even though I've not been on the CSM. 
but I think some of the devs, especially like Larrikin, they really value my opinion. Um, and I think I could maybe push a little bit better for it than the current people could, maybe. But uh, that's obviously something I can't really tell un until I've done it. I've never been on a CSM. I can't really imagine what the work is like on a CSM, which is one of the reasons I want to do it. And I, I just really think that uh, CCP values my opinion because they've been asking me and we, I've been working with them in the past without being on a CSM, just via Skype, right? Like, So I just figured I might as well take it a step closer and actually uh, engaging with them in like close-up discussions instead of just you know sometimes chatting via Skype on certain changes or whatever. Well, I just want to follow up. They said you're, you can't even imagine what the workload is like. Pandemic Legion has had probably, I mean, along with Goonstorm, as many CSM representatives as any alliance in the game. Have you not been in contact with them, reaching out to them, you know? <laughs> It's a funny with them about what it's like or getting advice on how things work in the CSM? Yeah, so that's, that's the thing. Like, that's one of the reasons that, that one of the problems I have with with our current representatives of this in the CSM is I'd rather go directly to CCP Larrikin on Skype and talk to him about an issue than having to go through some of our current members in the CSM just because I don't trust their uh, judgment of actually forwarding what, what my point is. I think the question was less towards do you trust their opinion on CCP's uh, direction in the game and more on can you trust their opinion or have you even sought out their opinion on the workload, what is involved in being a CSM member, not necessarily any particular issue. I don't really, I don't really talk a lot to our current CSM members, which is hard because they're basically never online too. So it's really hard for me to get in contact. With. I heard, I've heard, I've talked, I talk a lot to Noobman, right, because Noobman is a pro and I talk a lot of him, so he told me a lot about that. It's actually like it's it's a lot of work being a part of the CSM, and uh, he I kind of asked him how like the uh, the summits go down. Like I just asked him, so what do you do on these summits? You just sit in a meeting room for like you know eight hours or whatever. And he kind of like told me a little bit what the what the CSM summits look like as far as he can, obviously. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, that was pretty interesting. So I kind of know that's like a lot of work and a lot of people say, oh, Killer, you won't be able to FC anymore once you're on a CSM. But people also said, oh, Killer, you can coordinate a coalition of 40,000 people and then still play the game afterwards. You're going to burn out and I'm still here. I'm still playing. So I think I can do it. All right. Okay. Mikal, have you fixed your audio issue from earlier? God, I hope so. Can you hear me now? Yeah, sounds good. Man. All right. I feel like the Verizon guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mikal, so you're a member of Circle 2, and uh, your alliance leader is currently an incumbent on the CSM running for re-election, the judge. He is also familiar with Nelsec PvP and managing an alliance, and I'm sure he knows quite a bit about industry and stuff. What's your evaluation of his performance as a CSM, and why should anyone put you on their ballot instead of your alliance leader? Well, as, for, as it goes for the judge, uh, I, I mean, I'm just going to be completely honest. If you're going to hold the two of us up and measure the two of us against each other... That is down, exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, hand, hands down, uh, go for him because you, you've got someone who's got a you know a, a perfect attendance record. You've got someone who knows what they're doing, who's, who's been there, has done it. Uh, yeah, they have more experience than me as far as for the, the NullSec life. Uh, I can't speak to his experience versus my experience for the type of PvP that I do, because I am 
mainly from the FC point of view, uh, Black Ops point of view, stuff like that. But, I mean, as far as his performance as a CSM, uh, yeah, I mean, the man's done an incredible job, perfect attendance. Uh, everything I've heard of him and everything I've spoken to him about, it's, you know, he, he puts everything aside whenever it's time for CSM duties, and that's, I mean, that's what we need. And, and, and that's what I intend to do as well. I mean, you know, just like Kilby was just talking about, you know, people say, people have asked me, you know, hey, well, what are you going to do? You know, I'm leading the, the Black Ops group for uh, CO2. You know, what, what are you going to do with Black Ops whenever CSM comes up? If you get on, if you get elected, well, uh, I've, that's where I've got other people that know what they're doing. That's where I've got other people that I can hand it over to. Because if I were to make CSM, that would be my my full focus. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as as far as why you would put me instead of him, I while I, I am a larger NullSec Alliance, uh, and I am and see within that alliance, and I, I handle some of the larger warfare. Uh, I know where it's like to come from come from nothing and uh, a small-time FC to be uh, some of the public group FCs. I was a FC for Spectre for a long time, FC for Bomber's Bar. Uh, I've had small courts and alliances and all that kind of stuff throughout my years of playing EVE. And, and I think that's the part of it that I bring as someone who has come from come from the, the small time uh, and stepped up kind of into the quote-unquote big boy league. Uh, you know, that's... It would just be off of the, the knowledge that I can bring as the FC set of the line member for uh, for the NullSec warfare and for the Black Ops being being my focus of uh, my youth career is, I'd say, 85% Black Ops. Well, speaking of... Um... I have a question about that. I mean, eighty-five percent of your playtime, you really make a point of focusing on it in your campaign post. Why does CSM twelve, in particular, need Black Ops specialists compared to other areas of PvP or other areas of the game? Like, why, why now? Why are you standing up for this time? Well, I feel, in my opinion, that in the last year or so, especially since Phoebe, we've seen, you know, a really strong rising of Black Ops activity. And I feel that Black Ops has not gotten the attention that it's needed. Uh, I've heard and I've made arguments for both sides of it where people say that Black Ops doesn't need any more buffs because then they would be too strong, too OP, if you will. Um, but I, I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with all of that. I, I feel, you know, you look at all the jump range changes and everything that happened here recently. Black Ops just got passed over. And I can understand some of the reasoning, but... Uh, for people like myself who day in, day out, the moment I log in till the moment I, I log out, I'm hunting targets. Uh, that's all I'm doing is something cloaky ready to drop on something. Uh, you know, I, I feel that we kind of kind of got a little bit of a stiff there. Uh, the uh, Black Ops battleships need a lot of work as far as, you know, on the game side. They need a little bit. Their fitting needs to be tweaked. Uh, I, I feel like they should some of the ranges of some of, you know... I, I, okay, just straight up, I, I, they need more range. Um, I think the resist profile for them needs working. You know, just a lot of stuff. Uh, and, I mean, that 
I know I keep repeating that, but it's just I feel like they've been kind of stiffed on it. Everybody else has been uh, has been looked over, or, or Black Ops has been looked over, while everything else is getting a little bit of attention. All right, and I also wanted to follow up on something you mentioned a bit earlier in the show. You said that we're losing a lot of fun in the game. Uh, how is that happening? Why do you think that is? And what do you want to do to change it? Well, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, you know, going back to my quote-unquote humble beginnings back in high set mission running and all that, uh, for too many people it's all about making this, which you've got to have this to, to play the game, and I know this because, trust me, my, my wallet sees that I don't make this, and it hurts. Uh, and then you get... You, go with the alliance like I'm in, you know, and we're either all about making this or we're all about and you know, it, it gets kind of old to log into video game and it's all doing work and that's something that I think uh, that Eve has has kind of, a lot of Eve players have lost their feel for the fun in the game, you know, the PvP shakes I mean, everybody knows that feeling when you start, your hands start shaking and you're like, oh Oh man, look at this! I'm, you know, we're about to kill this guy. You know, it's just uh, the the fun part of it. I feel has left for a lot of people. It's all about gaining and succeeding in a mission rather than uh, bringing it back. And and that's what I've spoke with a couple of new players, and they say that it looks like they're having fun when they're first starting, and then they start looking at everybody else, and they say, oh, that doesn't look like fun. That looks like a lot of work. Well, well screw this. I'm going to go back to World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft's fun. You know? And I want to get this game to succeed. I've got way too much time and money invested in this game. Uh, I don't want something like this to ever, ever, ever fade away. And if we don't bring the ability for this, uh, for new players to come in and find out that you can have fun, then uh, this that's what will happen eventually. Well, speaking of new players, that's a pretty good segue. This is for, for everybody. Just jump in on this discussion. You know, we'll talk a little bit about alphas. I think, for the most part, um, a lot of people are very happy about alphas and that change to the game, but it was a very big step for Eve to take. I was wondering if you guys could comment on, have there been any negative aspects to the alpha change? And what kind of balance needs to be maintained between features and development focus on alpha players versus subscribers to the game? Actually, uh, as far as negatives, actually, that's a really good question. Not a lot of people actually talk about negatives of alphas. Um, but from the groups that I roll with, probably the more predominant negative, if there ever is a thing to be t uh, spoken of for alphas, it's feeling that, which I, I really don't agree with this, feeling that they do too much. I don't think they do too much, to be honest. I think it's right, uh, it's, it's correctly balanced. Um, and the feeling of they do too much to where it's, they're not being incentivized to, to buy Omega subscriptions is because of, I think it really goes back to what the actual balancing of the game looks like right now being cr very cruiser centric um, and kind of, you know, uh, we've been hearing plans of, oh, oh adjusting uh, ammo and things like that to uh, to make it uh, better for alphas to 
stay alpha, I guess. Um, and if anything, that's uh, that's one of the negatives that I've come across is uh, making the game too accommodating for them, as opposed to basically making the commitment to be an omega. So would you say we're we're at the right point of balance now? It needs to stay that way, or do you think that they need to be tuned down a little bit? Um, right now, based on how my interactions with the game, I feel they're pretty balanced. Uh, any alpha, even up to the max that they can train, can have an effect in most scenarios. Probably, even in large NOSEC fights, I, I truly do believe that. Probably one of the main barriers, though, to being an alpha is mid-tier to high-end uh, wormhole habitation. I think there is where you'll really need to tweak your fleet or <laughs> really go out of your way to, to accommodate them. But besides that area, and of course industry, but that's, <sighs> I mean, that's neither here nor there because that, you know, we, we want our alphas to actually be undocked, doing stuff, dying, or killing somebody. Uh, but with that, I, I think they're in a good place right now. That last point you made, that we want our alphas to be undocked, shooting, and killing someone, it sounds to me as though that point of view necessarily entails the similar point of view that industry people, those who station trade or those who do the manufacturing, what have you, and don't necessarily leave the station, don't bring much to the game, or that we don't really need more of them for the game's future. Uh, thoughts on the correlation between that and the point of view you just presented, or...? Sure. Uh, as far as uh, alpha, spe alpha specifically, I mean, just looking at how industrialists behave, how traders behave, and how we have to be so competitive to eke out a profit, uh, I'll be honest, I mean, the way the alphas are right now, they're not going to be competitive. They're going to get crushed. Um, and that's okay, because that's a barrier that they're just... That is, an, that is a legitimate SP barrier. Unless CCP is willing to really break down those barriers, then they will be relegated to the current spot right now, which is honestly fine, in my opinion, because it takes a lot of time to really get there. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's going to take breaking that SP barrier to really crack that. Well, at the same time, my girlfriend's uh, an industry player. She just started up, and she's already producing drones at a profit on an alpha account and selling every batch she makes you know, faster than she can build them. So, you know, they are able to find some niches, even though they can't build advanced materials. Yeah, it's uh, and it all depends on the market, too, but it, it is... It's gonna. It's it's very geography uh, geography related though, isn't it as well? So like, uh, it's it's gonna be tough to be competitive in say Amar or Jita, but uh, out of the way hubs, you know, uh, bordering uh, Losec, I think it's pretty viable. Or even in in Nosec proper, yeah, why not? Now, Kella mentioned that he doesn't think that any focus on the NPE. Uh, is really going to be worth it um, unless it's connecting people to an EVE community after it's done. 
Um, but a lot of talk about the NP has been you know, refining the actual tutorial, refining the career engines, things like that. Um, Kill's already given his two cents. Is there anything Cal running on Toxic could weigh in on whether you think the NPE is... Well, I mean, don't just say it's a development priority. Yeah, it's important. How important is it? What specific aspects need to be tweaked? And what do you put that ahead of in terms of other development priorities in the game? You know, what's the focus, the focus level on this compared to other things that the CSM and CCP could be talking about together? We'll start with Mikhail. Throwing a baby in the middle of that. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, if you could repeat that. Oh, um, so Kel has already talked about how you know more development for the NP is kind of pointless, and it's all about uh, connecting players with Eve communities and making sure there's content for those communities. But a lot of other folks are talking about which elements of the NP to make better, uh, refinements to career agents, things like that. You know, what what do you think needs to be improved about the NP, if anything, and what is the level of priority for that? And get specific. Don't just say it's important or it's you know really needs to get looked at. Specifically, how high is that on your priority scale? What do you put it ahead of in terms of other things that you know should be on CCP's radar? Well, I, I feel that the you know the MP new player experience is, is very important because like I like I said just a moment ago, you know uh, bringing new players is key to the longevity of this game, and I feel that the recent iterations that they you know in recent changes that they've made for uh, for the new alphas and for creating new characters and all that, I feel that they they're making a step in the right right direction for sure. Um, I feel that it's you know. Talking to the people that started playing for me, you know, when we started playing, it was, here's a ship, have fun. And then with me, it was, here's a ship, double, you know, or click on this, have fun. You know, and now it's quite in depth. And, and that's, uh, I think, like I said, they're, they're, they're making a step in the right direction. Um, as far as for putting new players in, in contact with the, uh, some of the more, com some of the communities, you know, being, Corps or alliances that are designed to help them, be it Brave or uh, you know Horde or something like that. I I think that's something that CSM or sorry CCP and CSM should get together and, and design some kind of a uh, an out of game new player experience guide or something like that. Something on the forums a little bit more than what is already already out there. Uh, you know, linking them and giving them a list for you know Eve University and Horde and Brave and all of that. Telling telling them what each of those different ones can offer, different than others. Toxic, let's have you weigh in. Sure. Uh, first of all, I just want to disagree with uh, Mikhail's last point about uh, having out of game resources kind of available because you know there are there are already out of game resources, and from what I've had talks with some of the new bros and one of my uh, alt corps is that uh, a lot of people feel that having more uh, educational kind of well educational like videos and having more like actual in-game uh i'm trying to think of the best way uh having like kind of tasks that you can do in-game to kind of get a better understanding of how to do things is going to be a better way to educate players and i mean coming from the ganking and war decking community we've kind of built ourselves up on this argument of you know 
people people that have problems with our play styles are coming from a background a little bit that is just not understanding mechanics, not understanding gameplay. And I think that's a, a very important kind of thing that if people are willing and interested in like learning more, that there should be better tools in game for people to learn. Um, so yeah, I, I think that personally that uh, it is pr- a pretty important uh, development that uh, CSP should continue working on. Um, and I know that um, at the NPU roundtable that Jin hosted a few months ago, you know, there was there were some really good ideas that came out that I, I, I'm glad to hear that, you know, the current CSM is looking into new ideas to kind of help new players, like the, um, the suggested fittings for multiple ships that, you know, players could just have some idea of, like, ways to fit ships and have a better understanding of, like, what, what kind of fittings work and which one, what kind of strategies you can have with certain ships. Would you say it's more important than word decks for you? Um, I would say it's probably like par right now for me, right? Well, <laughs> well I, you I know, may. assume that what? CCP only has one team and they could do word decks, they could do you know these fixes to the NP, and they came to you and were like, you know, what do we need to work on? Peg, you got to pick mm. one. I mean, sorry, sorry, word decking community NP. I think I think it needs. Be looked at right now, and then no. what next seconds? Sorry, <laughs> the betrayal, man, betrayal. Education, um, yeah, Mikhail, hop in real quick, and then we'll get rid and close it off. Yeah, well, I mean, just you know, as far as for like what you're saying, um, it, what what I mean by the out of game is you know is is not not tutorials, not not you know how to play the game, but as far as with the communities connecting with uh, the different alliances. Uh, you know, I, I feel like we could eventually come around to having these quote-unquote official Nubro alliances that CCP recognizes as a Nubro alliance. Yes, they have the ability. And, and I, I can see some issues that could have come up there. Uh, but, you know, that's what I meant for out of game is having some sort of, uh, other than the, the current forums or something like that that we have, Having something that's official from CCP saying, "Hey, take a look at these." You know, I've seen it on the launcher. Uh, it was a few months back there. Like, "Hey, new bros, pretty much, hey, new bros, look at these." Uh, you know, new bro alliances, but something more like that 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 brings the attention to that. And then, you know, as as far as for the the war deck thing that you're talking about, this is something that you know it's not affected me because I I was I started playing this game under constant war deck. And then went from constant war deck to uh, faction warfare. So you know, high sex never been a safe place for me. But I, this is something that I've heard people talk about is is the the quote unquote ability for an unending war. Uh, you know, you look at horde and you look at uh, brave and in Eve University, and they are always one hundred percent of the time war decked by somebody. And yes, they've learned, and yes, that can teach. People on how to work around that and how and, and give them a little bit of, I guess you'd, say, guess you'd say high sex savvy, you know, on how to avoid these camps and how to avoid the war deckers. But I do feel that the the ability to permanently war deck an alliance for for any reason, I, I feel like that's a little bit ridiculous. You know, there, there, I feel like there should be, if, if nothing else, a either an increasing penalty or a time limit. For, for war decking an alliance without having to go undecked for a week or two, 
you know, and then and then you can deck them again. It's just because some of the, some of the younger corps, some of the younger alliances, that completely kills them. People who don't have the ability, don't have the resources, and don't have you know five thousand people in their alliance, the ability to not move through high sec to get things done or get things shipped in, that can completely kill them. You know, I, I'm by no means an anti-war deck person. I, I support war, but I just think that it's uh, a little bit too uncontrolled at the moment. Let me ask you this, Mikhail. Do you believe that eventies should be killable? Like it sounds like one of your major objections there is that this is killing off corps that are underfunded, undermanned, don't have experienced leadership, don't have the resources to to teach or protect people. Do you feel that those corps have a right to exist? Well, I mean, yes. It's... I mean, I, I kind of struggle with that question. You know, make sure I give the, the, the right answer to explain how I feel on it. I mean... The, the 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 core of the pro of what I'm saying from from my view of the problem on that is uh, you know let, let's say I decide I want to move to some I want to move to syndicate or something like that or you know you look at like what Marmite does people anybody who lives in Curse Curse of Catch they pretty much war deck anybody and they have a, they, there's choke points along the way and they catch people left and right all day and that's fine that's smart they're taking advantage of it but then you look at uh, so say I wanted to start a small 10-man corporation and we wanted to live in, you know, Jamunda or something like that, our logistics would be screwed if we didn't have any out-of-court neutral or, you know, uh, PVE court characters. And, and I think that's a little bit, you know, like I said, it's a little bit too uncontrolled. All right, let's move on to Rodan. Are you going to pitch in on this topic before we move on to the next thing? Um, so concerning NPE, I kind of fall into the not so popular camp on this one. Uh, I really, although the NPE was uh, was very refreshing, uh, you know, we got voice acting, uh, good PVE elements, but I think it actually set us up for failure a little bit. And uh, let me explain that. So I think the point of failure becomes comes where the new player is done in doing the 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 added uh, experience, and the transition is really really poor. Poorly executed. Um, I think there just wasn't enough core PVE elements to really bring someone to a proper transition to like like, like real Eve post NPE. Uh, I know uh, when I've spoken to guys like Ash about that stuff, um, I, I usually receive uh, responses like, "Well, the." The backbone tech just isn't there to really do that, or you, we really needed to work to work on the AI first before we could have a better transition on that. Um, and that's just—I think that's one of the downfalls of that. Uh, I'm sure that's something that can be hashed out as you know the, the tech gets implemented and all that. Um, but as far as one of the things that probably should take priority um, regarding NPE and areas around that is being more deliberate with telling the player that player corporations exist. Being more deliberate with saying, please be social, you're going to have a better time at this game. I th And I think that falls back into the kind of cold handoff that happens when a new player does the NPE for the first time. Awesome. 
And uh, we're going to transition to Citadels now. And so we're going to stick with you, Rodan. This is sort of your wheelhouse. Um, by you and, and Killaby, who may be most experienced, we'll start off with you. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, hullabaloo has been made about the impact Citadels have had on Saab and, to a lesser extent, faction warfare in terms of how the meta of that works. Um, basically, you put a, some people are saying, oh, the, the bigger alliance puts a Citadel down in the other alliance's headquarters, and that's it. If they can online it, the war is automatically over. It doesn't matter any other mechanics. Do you agree that that is happening? And are you currently happy with how Saab and Citadels interact with one another? If not, what do you think needs to be prioritized before you fix? I can't speak very, I cannot speak intelligently about the interactions of Citadels and Nullsec, because I don't live in Nullsec, but based on uh, the how, how I know them to be, <laughs> um, I think that it's such a morale crusher when your enemies have a structure that could potentially live through three weeks in your in your home in your you know in in your home turf. That is absolutely soul crushing, and you there's no way for you to speed up destruction. It's because it's timer based, right? Um, now, with that being said, uh, is that mechanic really broken? I think it's just the way we have envisioned and implemented the new structures to be. They're very defender centric. But when you're using something that's defender-centric in an offensive manner, it feels really, really broken. So one of the things uh, I sh uh, that we could probably we could probably use to leverage a balancing point for that is maybe having a way to interact with a citadel within that three-week period that causes it to lose functionality, not necessarily the destruction of it. So more of um, like a, you know, short of actually adjusting how quickly one citadel could die. Uh, the next best, you know, it's kind of putting on my my developer hat here. Uh, I would imagine that the next best way to actually uh, provide that counterbalance would be for a way to, for those citadels to lose functionality. So like for, sort of like you and Tosis, the services on the station as opposed to actually flipping the station. Yeah, sort of. So let's say I'm just I'm just throwing this out there. Uh, I can't kill your citadel, but I can disable your ability to repair, or I can disable elements of your hangar, something like that. Right? Uh, we haven't destroyed your structure. You can turn your stuff back on, but I can at least have a proactive measure to disrupt your operation from that structure. Uh, let's jump to Killa. Killa, you probably have the most experience of anyone on the panel in terms of how citadels are used and have impacted SOP warfare. You've been doing it before. You've been doing it before Aegisov. You did it Aegisov pre-citadels, and now you've done Aegisov post-citadels. What do you think that influence has been you feel like it's made the actual mechanics of Saab irrelevant? Um, and if so, if you're not happy with that, what do you think needs to be prioritized in terms of the direction a fix should take? What needs to be looked at? What's the key area? I think the most recent uh, wars, the way that 
people have been addressing the, like like the way we did it in the tribute war for example with CO2 was we instead of getting our fights out of the actual soft we just went and reinforced their staging citadels and we got a huge fight out of that we won it and then they completely abandoned that part of the region and we just did the fuzzy soft grind or agent soft grinding without any major resistance and i think um that is the way that a lot of people play the current soft system. Um, people weren't able to do that before citadels were patched in. But now that uh, now that there's there's a mechanic back in the game that actually allows you to play on one single grid, um, people just prefer that over splitting up their fleet into multiple fleets and fighting over multiple grids. So people go back to doing that. So in that sense, I think personally, because I like single grid fights more than multi grid fights as well. Uh, I think Citadel's kind of helped the soft system in a sense that there's more fights again, just because you just go go ahead and reinforce someone's Citadel and then they show up to defend it or they don't, but if they do, then you'll have a nice fight like we did, you know, two days ago in 1P and the week before that in GE. We had two really awesome brawls. Both were over the Citadel. None were over uh, the actual soft systems. So, uh, yeah. Citadels are kind of cool for that, but is it is that the way it should be? Probably not. I just really think that. I think this is kind of like it, it kind of boils down to a very basic discussion. Should should the CCP design the game around the way we like to play it, or should we adapt ourselves to the way that CCP makes the game? Right, because there's very very little. Uh, alliances in the game that actually want to have the Aegis soft fights in the way that Ozzy probably imagined them to be. And there were only like two or three occasions where those fights happened in the way that I think Fozzy imagined them to be. And both those fights involved multiple thousand people. I don't think you will have any uh, 100 alliance, like let's say you have two 100-man fleets fighting over a system. There's no big coalition involved, nothing. I don't think you will see any of those two alliances split their fleet up in like five fleets of 20 just to be able to cover multiple systems. We'll still try to see them um, forcing each other into fighting on one grid by maybe deploying a capital on one certain node or maybe trying to catch somebody on the gate. So, um, yeah. I think that's the way it currently is. Redden, you had a comment? Yes. Uh, concerning, I think, you know, Killaby actually really did a really good, posed a really good question there, you know, um, as far as at the end of the day, when we're actually physically in client playing the game, who's really in charge, the players or the developers, you know? And I think one of the things, as we, as especially now that we have Citadels, and we're getting mining platforms, and we got a crazy roar call out there. Uh, we have to be mindful that, and this is just coming from a guy who gets who's been kicked out of Nullsec several times. I believe that CCP does really poorly when players start doing things to scale. So I'm not sure how. From a design perspective, that can be brought more to the middle, being that we are playing in a single shard environment. But one of the, but that's definitely something I think that, you know, uh, 
CSM 12 and onward needs to be very, very careful of, especially when they're given their feedback, when EVE players start behaving like EVE players and start breaking shit, basically. Uh, I think that's a decent point. Um, I know that Killaby perhaps has not experienced the small alliance splitting up the fleet thing, but uh, MC did that against Circle of Two and TNT in Tribute and Quite fun. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine that. But you know, it's that's obviously not how huge coalitions are doing it, just because the the complexity is there. And I was like, also wondering, Killa, if you could comment directly on this question. It doesn't necessarily have to be a group thing, because I don't know. But I mean, feel free to weigh in if, you, if the other guys want to. But how much of it is the convenience of just putting everything on one grid to fight a citadel versus? The idea that you know, whoever actually owns the sod in the system isn't really that important until after the fact. It doesn't have any material effect on the conflict as it happens. And is that perhaps something that could be addressed? I mean, it only matters. Here's the thing: the only the only reason we did uh, we did the actual Aegis of fighting only one time in in the whole trip war as the most recent example. And it was for MTECO, just because we needed the MTECO I help to be dead, so that there wouldn't be a Cyanogem up in system, so we could successfully siege the Keepstar, right? That was the only time in the entire tribute. And actually, we did it in, uh, we did it once for every constellation, just to make sure that all the Cyanogemmas are down in every constellation, just because the way that us and NC are play the game, obviously, Cyanogemmas are a really, really big uh, problem, right? So we were forced to play the Aegis off and basically ignore the Citadel. So in that sense, the soft holder actually does matter. It would have not been possible for us to, uh, or it would have been way harder for us to kill the Amtaco Keepstar if we wouldn't have been in control of the sovereignty and system, uh, just to control the Sino jamming situation in the system. Um, but other than that, you're basically right. The soft doesn't really matter if you siege a Citadel. And... Uh, if I think that's good or bad, I think it's bad. I think holding soft should affect everything in the system. I think the soft holder should gain. A, just it should be an advantage to just hold the soft in the system. I really like the. I don't know what happened to that, but I really like the idea that was juggled around. Like I think I talked to Fozzie about that at Fanfest or at Evesdam twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen. Uh, anyways. Basically, the idea was that you could in install something like a um, system-wide, uh, basically the wormholes work, right? You hold the system, and then you can install a certain upgrade uh, into your iHub, which allows you to generate a certain effect over the entire system. Now, obviously, that's not perfect, but uh, and I think there could be that it would be you would be, have to be really, really careful when you when you put that into the game. But I think that's a really interesting idea. I think holding this off should be a massive, uh, massive advantage. But then again, if if it is a massive advantage, it obviously needs to be the attacker still needs to be able to take the system and take this off. Uh, but how exactly they could possibly implement that and how hard to say. I don't know. I think there could be something in you know, like you said, you either have the sign of jammer on or you have the or you don't. There might be other ways we could have. Uh, like some sort of scaling advantage where, you know, you know, your effect is X percent strong if you have 
certain soft conditions met, and then it doesn't go from 100% to zero. There could be like a wearing down process that might, you know, uh, put yeah. a little more meaning into some of the surrounding systems. But I want to add one thing on the whole thing uh, on the whole uh, HSF part. I think which is why I put it in my post as well with the fuzzy clause, right? Uh, I think the the problem is that when it comes to like wars, when it comes to people trying to attack each other's off, for some reason uh, at that point people stop, or at least not not all of them, but there's some people in the game that stop thinking about having fun and stop having about good fights, and it's just about we need to make it as aids as possible for the attacker, or we need to make it as aids as possible for the defender, depending on which position you're coming from. And um, that is basically, like, if you if you wanted to put that emotion into a ship, it'd be the fuzzy claw, because the fuzzy claw does doesn't do anything. It doesn't encourage any fights. It doesn't. Uh, it 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 does nothing. All it does is it's a direct counter to the game mechanic that we have to deal with. And the only counter that there is to fuzzy claws, the only real counter that there is to fuzzy claws, is using capitals to entoses. And then obviously if when groups like PL and NCDOT, when we did the entosing with Rockwolves, when we did the entosing with uh, Apostles and, and Minokawas, people started complaining that it was so OP because you couldn't jam them, you couldn't uh, you couldn't deal any you couldn't deal really with them because Rockwolves tank so much that even if they were shooting, there is a video you can see like the 300 man Test Hurricane fleet or you know 250 man Hurricane fleet from Test shooting our entosis Rockwell and it's just tanking them. Right, it's like straight up just tanking them. He doesn't care. He he can tank them for a couple, you know, long enough for our entire fleet to arrive, which then forces them off grid. But obviously, these people complain about that. But the only reason we did that is answer to the to the mechanics that we were we present in with before, which was basically fuzzy claws and circles and, and stuff like that. Right, where you just can't really be arsed to, uh, and that's that's one hundred percent a matter of convenience. You just can't be ours downshipping from your whatever cruiser size doctrine into, you know, sacrificing half your fleet to downship into like uh, destroyer type of doctrine to chase those swipples around. Especially because you can't really beat swipples with anything but swipples if it's not bigger. Um, so that that's that's a problem. So he's just started using caps, and I think that's just the problem that he just off has has at the moment. There's too many uh, things in the in the game right now that you can use to abuse the mechanics. Then forces the opposing side to either escalate on top of your capital, which nobody's going to do against NCNPL, or not a lot of people are going to do against NCNPL, uh, or you just have to deal with nullified interceptors that you can catch uh, killing all your entoses and just making it, you know, so annoying to actually win the timer. And I think that's a flaw in the game design. I think we've... <laughs> I think Ian and I have talked about this particular topic to death on several... Uh... And on several episodes, because when I go back and hear my thoughts on uh, player inflexibility versus meta dominance mm-hmm. in the the sub system with regard to claws and swiples and downshipping and stuff like that, you guys can go for it. I want to move on to uh, Mikhail because he was the defender in the tribute war, and I wanted to give if you could give your thoughts on the, the Citadel impact and sub warfare question. I mean, it's it's a definite crucial key. I came into the end of the tribute war at the at pretty much the end of it. I was there for about the last month of it when I joined CO2. And uh, yeah, I mean it 
the way it was handled and 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 you know you got to give respect where respect is due uh the the tactics that were deployed by deploying citadels by ncpl was uh was was perfectly done and, and well played and you know it, it's i feel that it kind of can give an un, an unfair advantage to an attacker in a way i i mean i can see that part of the uh, the argument, uh, but then again, if, if it's played just right and it's handled just right, it can give an unfair advantage to the defenders. You know, there there were several spots that uh, if we hadn't had our citadels there, it would have ended a whole lot faster. I mean, you know, if and if uh, PL had just placed NCPL had just placed one more citadel and one other system, it would have went a whole lot faster. You know, or you know, in theory at least. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a very strong, viable key, and I don't I don't think it's broken, in my opinion. I think uh, I, I think it's something that just needs to be uh, tweaked, maybe a little. But uh, yeah, it's it's a very crucial key to it, regardless of attacking and invading or defending. Toxic. Uh, I know you're not a huge Sov Warfare guy, but. I'd love to hear your comments on this, and maybe you could even bring Citadel's impact on the war deck mechanics and, and how those particular features are interacting as well. So I'm not, yeah, like you said, I'm not huge into Citadels. I don't have a lot of experience with them. Um, I know that a lot of complaints that have been coming out of both NullSec and LowSec have been on the fact that, you know, Astro Houses, uh, most specifically, are very cheap compared, well, they're pretty cheap. They're like a billion-esque, and you can set up a structure that you can base out of for up to three weeks until someone can remove it. And for places like Null Second Faction Warfare, being able to set up a, a beachhead pretty much wherever you want as long as you can get it up in a day safely, you know, that, that can have a really big impact on that kind of gameplay. Um, I I personally kind of think that's a little little bit weird. I think, I think that there should be kind of... I, I think that when you first set up a Citadel, that it should be kind of weaker than citadels that have been set up for a really long time because i know that a lot of people are complaining about the idea of having beachheads that is really hard to remove so i mean for me I, th I think that it would be better if uh citadels were weaker for the maybe like the first week that they're deployed and then citadels that have been up for a long time have a little more structure and can survive a longer assault all right Let's move into some CSM-specific questions. Uh, a lot of talk goes on about communication from the CSM, whether it's sufficient, not sufficient, what can CSMs do differently. Were you satisfied with the level of communication from the current CSM? And if yes, what was the best improvement? If not, what would you personally do specifically to improve it in your term if elected? And whoever wants to hop in can go for it. I'll hit that up. All right, Road. Oh, uh, also, Road had comments about the Citadel thing. If you want to do that real quick before you yeah. get into your answer, go for it. All right, uh, concerning the uh, Sov and uh, Citadel questions, I just wanted to say that from a design and maybe cultural perspective, I don't know if we're really ready to make that commitment to put that much weight in Citadels in NullSec. Uh, I think we're really threading a very fine line because. I think that undermines the whole multi-grid 
combat that tends to happen in Aegis. <laughs> you know, that is just the very nature of Sov right now. So I don't know if uh, we really want to put that much weight in Citadels. And uh, not just that, but also it's just raw functionality right now. Um, I, I, can, I, I can speak a little bit more intelligently on the ones in Empire, but I can tell you guys right now, uh, there's, they're not quite all there. Uh, not just from an in-game experience perspective, but also uh, from an API perspective as far as drawing different types of data. It, it, it's really, really clunky still. So I don't know if we're ready to really make that jump. Um, and also uh, concerning Astra's, uh, kind of piggybacking off of to Toxic Yakin, uh, the Astra houses, uh, being a member of uh, Wrecking Machine Alliance, I can tell you guys right now, Astra's are fucking OP. Because we gotta waste two war deck cycles to kill a single Astra house that costs <laughs> way less than the fleet that we're that we're fielding to destroy the sucker. Uh, I think they should really be more in line with large posses, not just in functionality but also in the length of life. If you can, if you can, <laughs> if I can, if I can say that. Uh, all right, let's talk about CSM communication. All right, as far as CSM communication, I was very pleased with uh, the communication that did go out with uh, with. CSM 11, uh, it was more of a like report style of uh, communication, which I which I really dig. Um, however, uh, with that being said, I think there was less type of uh, um, like speaking from a player perspective uh, as a you know kind of like oh this is my experience in the CSM, this is what. Uh, how I feel about uh, the group right now, kind of like uh, Sugar Kyle style writing. I really do miss that. <laughs> I think we didn't have, we didn't see too much of that particular style, but at the same time, you can't really fault, you know, any group for not providing that kind of content because that's really like a creative writing thing. But all in all, I was actually pretty pleased with how things were communicated during CSM 11. Toxic? Yeah, I'd have to agree with Roden. I think. Uh... I think people like Jintan and Noobman, and I know I've heard good things about uh, Solomon the Judge going out and doing a lot of community stuff is really good. Um, I think, yeah, Ruin's also right that uh, at times it kind of felt like there wasn't a lot of outspoken, community-facing kind of uh, posts or that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, um, sorry, I forgot the second part of your question. Uh, if you don't think it was, if you did think it was sufficient, what was the best thing that they did from CSM 10, or, or compared to CSM 10? And if you don't think it was sufficient, what would you personally do to improve it if elected? I mean, if elected, I'd like to do more roundtables and more Discord discussions, as I kind of already previously talked about earlier. Um, I I think that part of it is just you know who gets elected. Some people are going to be more expertise driven and they're going to be more focused on having internal discussions and I think there's also going to be some candidates who are more community focused and more interested in kind of being outspoken like some of the people I previously mentioned. Mikhail, let's hear from you. What do you think about the CSM's level of communication? Yeah, uh, and I mean, like a lot of people feel, I feel that the CSM 11 team was honestly one of the best that we've seen in a long time. Uh, you know, the, the, their communica yeah, communication style that they had uh, was better than many, many, many before. Uh, but as far as, like, for what I would do uh, is 
just like what was just said. Uh, more Discord discussions, more roundtable, more of the community hall settings. Uh, you know, kind of like a like a AMA style. Just you know, come in and ask. You know, because what I think the the problem with the general public uh, and their view of what CSM actually does is that the general Eve player base has no clue what CSM actually does. They think. CSM runs in and says, hey guys, I want to make new shoes. Hey guys, I want to make a new ship. And that's not, that's not what it is. Um, so I think, uh, you know, more communication between, uh, between members of the CSM and the average player base is what we need so that people can understand that more. Uh, you know, you see so many people writing on their CSM, uh, candidacy announcement forums, forum posts that, they're going to make CCP do this and make, no, no, you're not. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that's because not a lot of people actually understand what CSM does. And that's, so that, I think that's the key is that is bringing in a little bit more communication. Not that there hasn't been, but just do it more, you know, improve on it. Killa, it seems like you weren't satisfied with the CSM level of communication based on your answers to questions earlier. Would you like to uh, no, elaborate no, no. on what you would do to improve it? Just with just with certain members, I just don't see them communicating at all outside of their personal uh, interests or whatever. But uh, I've talked like I have a really nice channel of communication for a lot of the CSM members uh, with the Blue Donut channel, but obviously that's not very accessible to the general player base. But uh, so personally, I had no problem getting in touch with CSM members because there's, uh, I think, Judge's in there, Gintana's in there, uh, uh, Nukeman is in there for sure. I think that's all three of them are. Is there anyone else in the Blue Donut Gintan? Uh, I don't think so. No, I don't think so, no. Yeah, just you three. But so for me, it was always um, very easy to get to one of the CSM members if I had to talk to them via that channel. Um, so I never really watched out if there's like any ways for the public community oh faith is in there say again faith is in there isn't it oh yeah yeah, yeah right you're right you're right so I didn't really I didn't really pay attention if there's any public ways of communicating with the CSM but I I did not know there's a lot of town halls or anything like that but granted I didn't really pay attention to it either so I could have just missed them all because I didn't pay attention to it because uh, I was doing other stuff um, what I would improve well, I'm in, in that Blue Donut channel, so that, that is a huge thing. That Blue Donut channel, for the people unfamiliar with it, is basically a channel full of alliance leaders and big-time FCs of basically all alliances of 0-0 and some of low-sec, but just very few low-sec, most, mostly 0-0, to be fair. So it's very it's a, it's very 0-0 dependent uh, channel, but like I said, that's my main focus anyways. So that that's a very good way of communicating because I can directly talk to the head of CS of alliances, I can directly talk to the alliance leaders of the different alliances, which gather their feedback from their alliance, and then they can just forward it to the CSM in via that channel. Um, but I'll probably host a town hall or two on a zero zero things with either with my fellow zero zero candidates. I wouldn't host one on my own. I'd probably grab Vince and I'd probably grab Dan Cool. And some other people, Jintan, um, I grab those people and then host like a big zero zero town hall, maybe, um, just for everybody to join. I probably make maybe we I'd did the um, the no set content creators roundtable. I mm-hmm. believe I don't think we were a part of it, but Ron Mexico. No, I probably wasn't uh, there. Like I said, I didn't really pay attention to uh, much of the CSM stuff. 
But yeah, that's probably what I would do. Just a bunch of roundtables, uh, use that channel, and then just have everybody that knows me being able to poke me and, you know, talk to me about stuff. Twitter. I have Twitter as well. Alright. And we're going to go down the line, and this is uh, Jin's favorite question, so I'm actually going to let him ask it. Um, but go for it, Jin. Yeah, what I'd like to do is just go down the line with... Uh... What are you going to personally do to improve the CSM? And anyone can answer this. Not as I have pers- Go on, Ron. Uh, um, personally, uh, what's within my power to do is to continue with, uh, being a writer. Uh, I really love writing and, and, and that's definitely something I want to do to, to be that communicator. But that happens, you know, kind of in a, in a two-way street as well, right? I can't just be putting out information out there uh, as a CSM. Uh, so, I mean, that falls into a question as well of uh, what kind of stuff can I actually write about as a CSM? Uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, I've never done any NDA stuff before, so I actually don't know what I actually cannot write about. So I'm going to have to just leave that as a, as a blank slate there. But beyond that, one of the things that I would like to... Uh, be a part of as well is I definitely want to lead town halls that cover subjects that may not be incredibly popular but are still very important. Um, like when citadels, concerning citadels at least, uh, there's a lot of market stuff that really needs to be addressed, I'll be honest with you. Uh, and I think it genuinely does deserve a town hall. That's definitely something I would be interested in, uh, in leading. And not just that, but also low-sec-related issues concerning Citadels, especially Faction Warfare. A lot of people don't realize it, but when Citadels came out, that was effectively a Faction Warfare update. That really changed the face of the war zones, both war zones. And that's something that really needs to be uh, to be engaged by CCP. And I know it doesn't get a lot of, uh, of coverage. Uh, besides, though, besides those two communication pieces... One of the things that I can personally do as well is being the generalist guy in the CSM that can hopefully cover down on subject matter that may be a bit archaic for, uh, for some, uh, for some CSM members. Uh, I am that generalist guy that's been living in Empire and low second wormholes for the last five plus years. I'm, I'm not a NOSA guy. I'm really not. Because I just don't live there. I physically don't have a character in there. So I think I provide that balance uh, to what historically is a predominantly NOSEC-heavy body. And those are the things that I can personally bring to the table if elected. Awesome. Uh, you keyed up earlier, uh, Killer. Do you want to add to it? Yeah, I think the, the question is like, what would you do to improve the CSM? That kind of applies that I think there's something that I don't like about the CSM, and I think I've already stated that. I, I think part of the CSM is fine. I just think there should be less people in the CSM that don't, like, in my opinion, uh, don't actually play the game. Um, like, all, all the credit to the people, and I think it's an important part, but for example, people that don't understand why they're in the CSM are people like Nash, for example, where, like, he's a great guy. I met him multiple times, and I like him, but, I, like, I asked him after he got elected at Love's Fan Fest, I went to him and asked him, like, yo, Nash, so what are you actually doing, Eve? Like, what what is your thing? And he's like, well, I don't actually play the game. I just do like uh, Eve and T, and I organize, you know, tournaments and that kind of stuff. And maybe I'm 
I'm getting wrong what the CSM is to that extent, but I just don't think that, like, I don't think that should be part of the CSM. Like, the, the, whole, the whole, like, organizing events, organizing community meetups, organizing tournaments is something that I feel like should be, can be completely outsourced. It doesn't need to be part of the CSM. That can, can, can be done completely via just talking directly to the devs. Why would you, in my opinion, the CSM was more like a game, uh, like a, um, a feedback tool for the community to address the way that the game will be designed. Right, so CCP can can get their feedback from the community, and I don't think Eve meetups and any of that has any effect on the way the game is designed. So that's that's something I don't know, that I personally don't agree with. Uh, I think those people should, personally, I think those people should be on a CSM. Uh, I don't think um, people like uh, I I don't think people like Bob Mon should be in a CSM, even though he's in PL and he, you know. Again, he's, I've met him multiple times in real life. He's a great guy. I've actually slept at his place in Amsterdam. Um, but he just doesn't, like, I think his last kill was in December. I don't understand how you can represent the game if you don't play it. And I think my way to improve CSM is to not have these people on the CSM. Just have, because they, they're even reducing the number of CSM members this year, right? So... It is even more important that each member actually has a quality, has something that they can get to the table. I think my main improvement to the CSM would be to have 10 guys that are all actively playing the game, that all have a role in this game that they can fill and that they can represent within uh, the CSM. Well, that's a nice okay. improvement, but that's not something that you can personally do or have any control over. I, I can by getting into the CSM, because that's one slot less for somebody that, in my opinion, doesn't fit into the CSM. Exactly. Well, Mikhail, here exactly, so why don't you take it next? Oh, I mean, I, I completely agree with what you just said there. I mean, you know, you've if you watch uh, Rylo's, uh little CSM video that he made when he announced he was going to run for CSM, he, he's talking about somebody, I can't remember who it was, and He's like, you know, seriously, who the hell are you? Do you even play this game? Your last kill was in two thousand, early two thousand sixteen. You know, no, I, I mean, you know that, and yeah, you can't can't base a player's activity off their kill boards. There's too many factors there, but you know, this this game is PvP focused. If you're an industry person, if you're a station trader, everything ends in PvP. So, you know, the, you, on that note, you can. But yeah, that's something that I can bring to the CSM. Is I'm someone who does play this game every damn day. Uh, every time I log in, I'm, I'm starting a fleet or joining a fleet, usually starting a fleet. Uh, I mean, I'm a content generator. That's what I do. And, and that's something that I would, that's an additional viewpoint that I feel that I could bring to the CSM to, to change where it has been lately. Uh, and this, you know, that does, just like they said, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't apply to everybody that's in CSM. We have some great people that are there and we have some people who aren't as great. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, you you need activity, and aside from that, you need transparency, and only you know of course the transparency that you're allowed because of the non-disclosures and this and that. There's only so much you can talk about, but you know anytime in the past I've tried bringing something to the attention of a CSM member, it's like oh well you know we're we can't really talk about that or that's not on the dot you know. 
you, you need somebody who's going to be more of a, a people person, someone who's more willing to speak to the masses and do the town halls and, and uh, do the Discord chats. And, you know, that's something that I can bring myself to someone who, I, I mean, I'm at work and I've got my phone in my hand probably more than I should. Uh, and I'm always on Discord talking or always doing something. And as CSM, that's what I would do as well bring that, and, I, and also I bring the experience of someone who has been playing this damn game for four years, five years almost, every day. Alright, uh, Toxic, besides just being there, uh, what specifically could you do to make the CSM better if elected? I mean, again, as I previously mentioned, I think the, the two things that I really want to focus on is doing more community-facing activities like the roundtables and the Discord chats. Um, and I think what I specifically bring to the table is uh, a more a, a different high-sec perspective that I think we, we, we do need high-sec perspective every year because, you know, it is a big part of the game and is a big part of the player base. Um, but uh, I, I think having, just, you know, a fresh perspective and uh, something a little more conflicting with what we've had in the last couple of years be uh, beneficial. All right. Uh, this is the closing question here. We're just going to go straight down the line. What's the biggest issue facing EVE, CCP, or the CSM in 2017? And what's your take on it? Why are you the best person to address it and try to keep your answers less than two minutes? Killa. Can you, can, you, can you say the question again? Sure. Uh, what's the biggest issue facing the game or the community or the CSM, whatever you want to, whatever you think is more important um, in this next year and why are you specifically the best person to tackle that issue or provide feedback on that issue? Um, just before you start on this, i got to say that I'm going to dip now. I've got my statecraft thing. Uh, peace out, okay. boys. Thank you all for coming on and I hope to listen to the rest of this. The, the problem with what is the biggest issue? I don't know, because there's just such a big random factor in how the game's changing, which is called CCP. They could put something into the game that could turn into the biggest problem. What is the biggest problem right now? In my opinion, from my point of view, is the time zone warfare. Is the fact that you can lock somebody out just by putting it into a bad time zone for him. Why am I the best or one of the best to address uh, what might happen? Well, because I play very actively, I'm in, an, I'm in an alliance that adapts very, very fast to the changes of the game. We're usually one of the first to adapt to the changes um, in, in the Zero-Zero perspective, and even sometimes in, in all of EVE. Um, so I think I'd be on top of the meta at all times, and whatever CCP throws us into the game, whatever might be the biggest problem, I'll be one of the first to know what the problems are with it, and I can directly address them with CCP. We did, uh, just to name an example, because I know my two minutes aren't over, is, for example, uh, some of the issues with capitals that they patched in with the Citadel patch, we've got them fixed. And by we, I literally mean, like, me and then, like, a couple other people within PL and NC Dot, just because we were the first one to notice these problems, we directly addressed them to CCP, and they've been patched by now. And I think that's always going to be like that. Alrighty, and uh, Macau, how about yourself? Yeah, so what I would see as the biggest problem facing this game right now is, like I've mentioned uh, a couple times already, is uh, the new player base, bringing in new players and getting 
new players to stick with it past that incredibly steep learning curve. Uh, and going hand in hand with that as well would be, uh, you know, the visibility of this game to the general public, the people that don't don't play it or the people who have quit playing it. You know, I think that's, in my opinion, the biggest thing. Because if this game doesn't keep growing, it's going to become stale, and then you're going to keep losing vets, and then you don't get new new players, and all of a sudden nobody's logging in. I mean, I don't, I don't see that happening, but it's the possibility. And where I think that I could be, you know, useful to uh, to help with that is that I do have good ideas, and I am good at speaking with people, and I'm good at, uh, I guess you could say, amateur you know, amateur viewpoints on some marketing things, and that's uh, and that's what I think really helped is to get people to understand what this game is. That it's not always spreadsheet; it's just usually. Alrighty, toxic. How about you? Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree with Nicole. Um, the uh, the ascension, in sorry, changes that came with ascension with the uh, alpha clones brought in a lot of new players, but I feel like the new player experience wasn't quite ready for them, and still isn't quite ready for them, and I definitely think that we've definitely seen, like, even though we saw a spike in the number of new players we had coming online, the amount of people online on a daily basis, it's definitely been slowly coming down a bit, and I want to make sure that the people that are coming into the game are getting the best possible experience that they can have, as far as education and kind of getting a better idea of what kind of impression they can make on the game. And as far as uh, things that I can bring to the table for helping change that, I mean, uh, I am part of a new bro collaboration on one of my alts and uh, trying to help people there. But uh, I, th- I think one of the, the big things that doesn't get talked about is kind of teaching players what kind of impact they can have on the game, not just how to do things, but like what kind of ambitions that they can actually go for and how to do that kind of thing it would be a really important step for improving on the MPE in the future. And round it out, Rodin. All right. Uh, one of the things that uh, I think CCP should re- be really aware of and something we can help with is ensuring that we have a really good balance between the new structures that are coming and the environment that we have right now. Uh, this is the first time that we've had such a fundamental change to the environment that we play in. And I think generalists, Players like me that have a little bit of experience in a lot of things can better spot angles that would cause uh, imbalance. Um, that's why there, is, there really is value in generalist candidates. Uh, I know we don't see a whole lot of them, but especially in the environment that we find ourselves now where it really is so new, we will need eyes that can spot those um, maybe not so obvious um, angles especially if you have a predominant if especially if you have a, a homogenous CSM they're just I don't think there's they're going to be equipped to really see those uh kind of off the wall scenarios and um that's uh what I can bring to the table all right guys well thank you very much for joining us I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to participate in our round tables I wish you all the absolute best of luck um I think uh you guys are going to do great. <laughs> and um, thank you for everyone out there listening to us. If you are remotely considering each of these guys for a position on your ballot, or maybe you've got ballot spots open, 
I hope that this uh, panel plus the panel from yesterday has helped you reach some kind of decision. And regardless of who you decide to vote for, I want to strongly encourage you to go vote, you to go get your corp to go vote, get your friends to go vote. We want to have the highest turnout in EVIL Online history. That would be the most awesome thing in my mind. And with that, good hunting listeners.